Turn to Psalm chapter 42. That's what we'll be talking this morning about satisfying your spiritual thirst. How do we find our thirst and how do we find satisfaction in that as we begin this thirst conference together this week? I told you I grew up on a dairy farm. Shortly after leaving the dairy farm, I decided to become an accountant. Okay, so de- textbook definitions, uh, getting very specific on things is matters and is important to me. So I'm going to talk about this morning what thirst is, but I'm going to go to a textbook definition for thirst this morning. Here's what I found on the internet for what thirst is. Thirst is a feeling of wanting or needing to drink something, okay? You're going to see me throughout this morning taking lots of drinks of the water I have up there, because as you can hear, my voice is kind of going out, Okay. So you're going to see me doing that, but I've also got a thirst. We've got a thirst for something, the feeling of wanting or needing to drink something. So we all know what that means to have this idea of wanting or needing to drink something, that idea of thirst. But here's a second definition, the way we're really going to unpack that this morning as we talk about this theme through thirst this morning throughout the course of this conference. Thirst is a craving or a longing. We all know what it means to have this idea that we have something that we crave or that we long for, and there's always times and opportunities in our life where we're craving or longing for something or we're turning to something to fill and find that craving or longing met. This morning we're going to talk about how do we find and generally find the satisfaction to fulfill that craving or longing. I like to also look at what culture tells me about what thirst is, okay? So here's some ideas related to craving or longing that culture maybe tells us what that looks like, okay? Through some advertisements. Here's the first one. Snickers, right? Hungry, why wait, okay? Lots of Halloween candy has been out the last few weeks. Maybe you found yourself turning to a Snickers bar, right, to be able to find that satisfaction. Uh, What this message is telling us is that we have an actual real hunger, something that needs to be satisfied. What this message is also telling us that you don't have to wait to satisfy your hunger. You can just immediately go to a Snickers bar and find that satisfaction, that hunger met through a Snickers bar, right? Problem would be is if you continually turn to a Snickers bar every time you're hungry, right? Not very long-term satisfaction comes through that, and you're going to probably have some health problems long-term, right? If every time you were hungry, you went to a Snickers bar to find that hunger met, you would find up with some very difficult things that came up. So there's one example. Here's another one. Sprite, obey your thirst, Okay. Again, identifying this need that we have a very real thirst that needs satisfaction. And what this advertisement is telling us is that a Sprite will actually help you find that satisfaction. It's also telling us that in those moments where you're thirsty, where you're craving or longing for something, that you're supposed to obey that craving or longing. Okay? Also, a lot of problems would arise to that. If every time that you were thirsty, you turned to a Sprite, okay? Again, a lot of health problems would arise through that, through that situation. You would not find ultimate satisfaction. And I think in life sometimes, if we just turn to things, obey our thirst, the things that we think we're craving or longing for, lots of problems will come. Psalm 42 this morning is where we're going to be. We're going to see a passage here from the psalmist. I believe David probably is the one that wrote that in some ways that he identified thirst going on in his life and the ways that he found ultimate satisfaction. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 42. We're going to start here in verses 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, soul pants, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now what we're seeing here in the life of David is this guy who we see in scriptures, a man after God's own heart. What he's discovered in his life is that his satisfaction alone is found in God. His soul is panting for God, at thirst for God. How can he come and meet and appear before God? Here's our first thirst principle for this week. 
God created you with a spiritual thirst that only he can satisfy. Inside each one of us, inside me, inside Greg, inside Maggie and Patty, inside Pastor Rick and all of your staff here, inside every person in this room, every person in Greensboro, every person on this planet is this thirst, this spiritual thirst that only God can satisfy. And we know that, right? We walk through life and we discover here on planet Earth that we live in right now that we find ourselves thirsty. There's always times and opportunities, no matter how great the world is that he created, this world has fallen, okay? This is not the world that we are made for. How many of you want to admit that this is not the world you are made for, okay? God created us to live in the Garden of Eden, okay? This is not the Garden of Eden. There's elements here of that. There's times we can experience that, but this is a broken, fallen world, and because of that, we find ourselves spiritually thirsty, and we discover in that process that only God can satisfy us. One of the uh, favorite people I turn to to kind of give me a perspective uh, scripturally on God's word uh, is a, a pastor uh, named C.S. Lewis. Y'all know C.S. Lewis, okay? In his great book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. What I'm discovering on this journey of life, okay, I've been on this planet for 30 plus years what I'm discovering is no matter how many great things God gives me, marriage, family, kids, relationship, opportunity to travel the country, opportunity to meet lots of great folks all across the country, opportunity for amazing ministry opportunities, what I've discovered is that I was not made for this world. I was made for God, and I only find that satisfaction in the world that comes with a perfect relationship with God. Now, thankfully... Right? Though we don't have that, though we're made for something more, what heaven will be like for us, we can perfectly find that. We have opportunity this side of heaven to still experience that, to still meet and seek with God during this time. But what we discover in this process is that we're thirsty, spiritually thirsty, because this world cannot satisfy us. We're meant to be satisfied in a person that's God the Father, through Christ Jesus the Son, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're fine and meant to experience. We were made for another world and we see this even in Psalm 42. So through several times through Psalm 42, we discover that David himself, the psalmist, is finding that he's actually continuing to find himself thirsty again. We're going to unpack here some of the reasons for that. But looking with you here, Psalm 42, 5. This is also in verse 11 in Psalm 43, 5. This is what it says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? See, even though David, the psalmist, knows that his soul is satisfied in God. He's discovered and found that sometimes in life, because he was not made for this world, this broken, fallen world that's been marred by sin, sometimes he's found that his soul is still downcast, that it's in turmoil within me. How many of you would say you found yourself thirsty in this earth sometime, on this world, okay? You found yourself in turmoil, okay? You found your soul downcast, okay? All of us have found that. I've yet to find a person that has said throughout my entire life, I've not found myself discouraged or downcast, my soul within turmoil, or finding myself thirsty for something more than what I can find on this earth. That's a, just a part of the human condition that we're in. So we're going to look at here some causes of thirst. As we move forward into this conference, we're going to unpack these truths to help us grow together close to the Lord to find that ultimate satisfaction. But I think it's important to discover what are the causes. Why is David saying here in verse 5, verse 11, Psalm 43, 5, why is he saying, my soul is downcast, it's in turmoil within me, I'm finding myself thirsty again. What are these causes of thirst? Right before he says that in verse 5, we got a verse here in verse 3. Let's read it together. Psalm 42, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, 
while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So right before he's realizing this, he's saying, my tears have been my food all the day long. What he's done is he's looked for substitutes. Sometimes in our life, we discover that we're thirsty because we begin to look to substitutes. What David has done, the psalmist in this passage, what he said is, I'm looking to my tears to feed me and to give me nourishment and to help me go forward. Okay? I've discovered that sometimes my despair, my discouragement, my tears is great food to keep me continuing to feel thirsty. Okay? I don't know why we do this, but I've met a lot of people, and I've done this myself, where sorrow is something that I keep turning back to. I keep looking to, thinking that somewhere, if I just feel more sorry for myself, if I just get more discouraged, if I just continue this journey to depression, if I just continue this process of looking to my grief and saying, woe is me, that somehow I find satisfaction. David is saying here, I, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Sometimes our tears, our discouragement, our fears, we substitute for the thing that ultimately satisfies us, which is God. Sometimes it's not just tears. Sometimes it's actually great things in life. The blessing God gives us, sometimes we look to those things. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's grandkids. Okay? Maybe there's uh, something that God has given you, a good gift. Sometimes we look to those substitutes instead of the person that's given them, and we think that those things are going to satisfy us. Throughout a lot of my life, I spent a lot of time uh, trying to pursue the American dream. I pursued a degree in accounting so that I could um, provide well for my kids, have this you know, amazing house, marriage, 2.7 kids, a dog, okay? God's best blessed me beyond that now, but I thought finding those things would provide ultimate satisfaction. You know what I discovered? The harder I work for those things, the more I strive to earn those things, the thirstier and thirstier I became because those things did not satisfy. When I found myself in right relationship with God, enjoying Him and thanking Him for the gifts He's provided, then I'm finding that satisfaction. But those gifts, those substitutes for us, often are not the things that provide us long-lasting satisfaction and quench our own spiritual thirst. But we get confused and we get lost in that. Greg's message tonight is going to be on this idea of identifying the substitutes in our lives and then finding genuine satisfaction. Come back tonight. Hear and identify the things in your life that you're looking to, that no matter how much you gain those things, you're finding yourself increasingly thirsty. Those substitutes cause us to be thirsty in our life. And I grew up on a dairy farm. I shared that with you a few moments ago. What I learned on the dairy farm is that animals need a lot of water, right? To survive and to be able to uh, provide for our family, we need to make sure that the animals always had lots of water. So one of the ways that I found that animals found water to be able to quench the thirst that they had was uh, they would go to a watering hole like this, right? Okay, so this is in Africa. This is not my dad's dairy farm, okay? I know... I know the difference between dairy cattle and zebras, all right? Um, I'm not very good at farming. There's a reason I'm not doing that now, but I can tell you those are not dairy cattle, all right? But this is a picture here of a watering hole, right? Okay, a watering hole is really easy to access, able to provide uh, water in a temporary manner. The problem with a watering hole is not that it's easy to find. It's that it's not the best place to drink from. Here's why. Animals don't always know what to do around the things that they drink, okay? Sometimes their habits and their lifestyles and their patterns are not the kind of things that want to make you go, I want to come drink from this, okay? Um, sometimes they decide to not only uh, drink from there, but they decide to use the restroom, okay, right around the watering hole, okay? Not a great opportunity to find lasting satisfaction at a watering hole. Yes, it's easy to access, but it's not always the cleanest, and you can't always count on it. You know why? Because in a drought season, that watering hole disappears, 
The satisfaction that you may be found temporarily may not be there the next time you turn to it. It can't provide long-lasting satisfaction. But sometimes in our lives, we go to these substitutes, these watering holes, thinking that it's going to be the answer to quenching our spiritual thirst when really the only thing that will do that is something much greater, much broader. Here's the other thing I've learned about watering uh, with relation to farm life. Uh, What's this a picture of? A well, okay? So we grew up on a farm. We had a well. Um, I loved drinking well water, okay? Still do, all right? Uh, Well water is some of the coldest, most refreshing water that there is that I've yet to find, all right? So when I was uh, in my um, early teenage years, uh, we would bale hay in 90-degree heat, okay? That's pretty much where I knew I was not called to be a farmer, all right? I said, I told my parents one day I walked in, I'm going to be in an air-conditioned office. I'm going to put my feet on the desk and boss people around, okay? That became my career aspiration so that I could escape this farm life. In this process, I had a couple of choices when we were bailing hay, 90-degree heat. One, I would always want to turn to a Mountain Dew, okay? That would be my first choice initially to find satisfaction. It was sweet, um, really sweet, okay? Cold, but it was never long-lasting satisfaction. You know what I found the most satisfying thing was? If I could spend those couple extra moments, walk over to the garden hose, turn it on, wait for all of the warm water, because it sat out all day to run out of that hose, and the deep, cold, refreshing water from the well to come up and drink out of that, I found immediate, well, not immediate, it took time, but I found the deepest, most satisfying refreshment that came from that. The difference in our spiritual life from a watering hole to a well is this. Watering hole is easy. Well takes time. You gotta carve it out, okay? These wells don't form naturally, okay? You gotta dig them out. You gotta provide the structure around them. And then every time you need to go to drink from it, whether it's waiting for the warm water to run out of the tap or whether it's using a bucket to draw that cold water out, it takes extra effort. In our spiritual life, I'm telling you right now, the process of going to the well where true satisfaction comes does not happen easily. Does not happen without effort. Does not happen without carving out time. But in this process to find genuine satisfaction to get our quench, thirst quench that we're talking about this week, you have to go to that wellspring of life, which is Jesus himself. Does not come easy, not easy to access, takes time to carve that out. He's always available, but you can't just show up and expect it to come in droves to you. It takes a little bit of work to carve that out. This week you've got a unique opportunity, okay? You can continue to go to the well or the the watering hole that you've been turning to to find satisfaction, or you can carve out a little extra time. Your staff has carved out these next four days together to be able to seek God together. Carve out that time and find what true satisfaction will come as we seek God this week. Here's the second cause of thirst I think we find. Verse 9, follow it with me. Psalm 42, verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? We see here on this process that David is saying, the psalmist is saying, God, why have you forgotten me? What's interesting about this is how he starts that passage, right? He says this, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? What's fascinating about this is this, a rock doesn't move. A rock didn't never change its location. A rock is something that you can count on, be anchored to, tied to, is steadfast. He's saying, God, you are a rock to me, but why have you forgotten me? Who do you think forgot who in this short story? Right? David forgot. He lost his way in that process. He knows that God is a rock, but somewhere in this journey, he lost his way and began to say, why have you forsaken me? The reality is, God had never forsaken David. 
God never leaves us nor forsakes us. David, somewhere along life's journey, through a, varied, a myriad of circumstances that he faced, trials, things that he brought on himself, sometimes things brought on by others, lost his way and forgot where God was and thought that God had abandoned him. The reality was he had walked away from God. Sometimes in our life, we become thirsty because we've lost our way, okay? Now, again, growing up in an uh, agricultural uh, community, um, I knew a lot about uh, corn mazes. You all have corn mazes here in North Carolina? Okay, I think I saw one on the map. You got like a, one of the world's biggest ones uh, just down the road here. But um, I like um, mazes um, until I get lost in them, okay? So one time, Maggie and I in the fall, we're going through corn mazes, a family, began making our path through this, and she starts freaking out, okay? Um, does not like being lost. It's me and probably two or three of our kids at the time, and she looks at me and says, you got to get us out of here. So um, I finally think after a few uh, more moments of being lost that we found our way out, only to make my way out back to the same entrance that we came into, okay? It's kind of my process in, in walking through, through corn mazes. Sometimes in life can be like that, okay? These turns, these twists that we foresee coming, that we don't know that's coming, and we think we know where we're going, but along the way, something happens or decisions that we make cause us to get lost. We lose our way. God has not left us in that process. We've walked away from God. I don't know where you are coming into this week, this conference. I don't know what your ex expectations are, but maybe you're coming to this week feeling that you're thirsty because somewhere in this journey, you've lost your way. Somewhere in this process, you have actually walked away from God, maybe not intentionally, Maybe not through some various um, major sins in your life, but maybe you just stopped carving out time to meet with him, forgetting what it takes to carve out that process. Uh, we get a lot of testimonies back from conferences like this. Here's one I want to share with you uh, from Wichita Falls, Texas, that we were in last fall. I had not been regular in my daily devotions, and I had been convicted to renew being obedient. I have also been convicted of not being obedient to give up an idol of sin in my life in which I was originally convicted of 27 years ago in a life action conference. The Lord has already cleansed me permanently of that sin. Here's an individual that 27 years before we got there had had a life action event and somewhere in that journey over those previous 27 years had began to walk away from God. He has a big moment like this, a big conference, meets with the Lord, God convicts him of that sin, he commits to turn away from that. But somewhere in the journey, again, the sin becomes tempting. The watering hole becomes uh, alluring again. The temporal satisfaction that he finds becomes alluring. He doesn't carve out the time to spend time with God in his word, in a devotional time, in prayer and meditation. He doesn't carve out that time, and he goes back to the same direction. He gets lost again. Sometimes in life, I don't know where you're at this week. Maybe you've had a great um, walk with the Lord over the years, but something over these last few weeks, days, months, something's been off. What's probably happened most often as I talk to people is something in life caused you to turn away from God. The ways that you were seeking him, the ways that you were pursuing a relationship with him, you've changed and you've walked in another direction. We encourage you this week, you have an amazing opportunity these next four days to just carve out some extra time to seek God again. He's not moved. Okay, somewhere in this journey, we've moved, we've strayed, we've lost our way, we've become thirsty. Maybe that's where God finds you this morning. Here's the third and final cause of thirst this morning. We're weary from relationships. Follow with me, verse 10. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? I'm hoping you're not walking into this week feeling like David is exactly in this passage, okay? Where you have very real adversaries that are taunting you, that have caused deadly wounds in your spirit and your soul, where they're taunting you and saying, where is your God? But some of you may actually be facing this, okay? 
I've learned that this side of eternity, we actually have people that very much oppose us. The beliefs that we have, the values that we carry, the ways that we try to walk with God, the ways we try to bring his kingdom to earth, sometimes we have these very real adversaries. Other times we don't have these adversaries, but we invent them in our minds, right? Sometimes in our journey of married life, Meg and I find ourselves feeling this way. We're not only um, not on the same page as the couple, we actually find ourselves weary from these very real relationships that God's given us. Sometimes with four kids, nine and under, I find myself weary from relationships. Any parents in the room want to say that? Okay. Parenting is hard, okay? Parenting four kids, nine and under is hard. Parenting teenagers, I hear, is hard, okay? I travel with a bunch of 18 to 26, 27-year-olds. I learned that teenagers are hard, okay? This journey, this process, sometimes the relationships, the very real gift God has given us, and people also made in his image, can cause us to be thirsty, can cause us to grow weary, can cause us to feel like we're in a struggle and a battle and walk away from God. Sometimes the gift of relationships are actually the thing that causes us to walk away. We meet lots of couples, lots of families in this journey that things have happened to them, very traumatic things, sometimes by their own sin choices, their own consequences, their own decisions, other times because of things that they could have never have chosen, okay? Sometimes we find ourselves weary from relationships because of what other people have done, sometimes because of things that we've done, and in that process, we grow thirsty but here's some hope for us. This is uh, from a lady named Denise. We were in McDonough, Georgia last fall as well. Here's what she shared how God spoke to her in this area over the course of a conference. This conference opened our hearts to the Lord's calling. We, my husband and I, grew closer to each other and to Jesus. Our marriage after 32 years was starting to grow stale and we were drifting apart. We saw that we needed God in parts of our lives that we had shut him out of. We are now growing together and finding peace. God first in our areas is the only way. What she's saying is this. After 32 years, their marriage had kind of grown a little bit stale. Okay? Megan had been married for 11 years. I can tell you there's times in our married life where we've grown stale, where it feels like we're not only on the, not on the same page, we're actually opposing each other. We had to spend, what, Megan, about an hour and a half last night talking through something just because we were wrestling through some of those things together um, in relation to an upcoming plan for our travel season, uh, something that we were wrestling through, but we found ourselves weary from our own marriage relationship. Something that often is a place of real refreshment became a tension point for us. Sometimes we can grow stale and grow weary from the relationships that God has given us. But as we focus back on God and the ways that he wants to provide us with a refreshing relationship, it's amazing to watch the encouragement that comes into us in these ways and the real satisfaction that comes. Tuesday night, Greg's gonna talk about how to find refreshing relationships, putting this idea of 1 Corinthians 13 into practice, and I think that it's a great opportunity for us. So Psalm 42, 5, 11, and 43, 5 helps us to see this. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? We have packed those reasons. Sometimes we're looking to substitutes. Sometimes we've lost our way. Sometimes we're weary from relationships. But here's the amazing process. I love how this second part of this verse goes in all these passages. It's this. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So no matter what you're finding yourself thirsty for, this is the solution for us. This is what we're going to be talking about all week, pointing us back to hoping in God, praising him again. You're going to have an amazing opportunity this week to worship God led by a team of musicians. Worship team people, choir team people, praise team people. This is an opportunity this week. You get to be fed and worshiped and ministered to by worship team this week that's going to point us to God, an opportunity to praise him together. Our salvation and our God, great opportunity we have this week to hope in God. Here leads us to our second thirst principle. Satisfying your spiritual thirst begins with a simple yes to God. 
We have a spiritual thirst that only he can satisfy. How do we begin to find that? We're going to unpack that here these next few moments. It begins, satisfying your spiritual thirst begins with a simple yes to God. Some of you have already began that process this morning. Do you all know that? When you said yes to God to get up, out of bed, thanking the Lord for the extra hour of daylight savings time, right? When you got a choice, made a choice to come in and say yes to God, God, I'm going to be here this morning to come to church. Maybe you knew this first conference was happening, maybe you didn't. But regardless, you began the process of saying yes to God. Yes, God, I want to meet with you. I want you to speak to my heart this week. Some of you are actually in the building and you did not say yes to God. Here's how. I'm going to come, but I'm not going to listen to a word that's being said. I'm going to come to be able to make uh, my wife happy or so that my church members think well of me or my pastoral staff thinks well of me. But I'm not here to say yes to God this morning. Don't know what you're doing, but I'm encouraging you this week. If you are finding yourself thirsty, begin to be listening and asking God, God, how can I say yes to you? How can I continue to be aware of the ways that you want me to say yes to you this week and finding my spiritual thirst satisfied as I say yes to you? What I've discovered is God's given us a lot of opportunities as a couple, as a family, to say yes to what he's calling us to do. Every time, no matter how much I think it's not going to be refreshing, it's going to be discouraging, it's going to be depressing, it's going to be weary. Every time what I've discovered, the more I say yes to God in obedience, putting off the things that he says to put off, but even more so putting on the things he says to put on, amazing satisfaction, finding my spiritual thirst happens every time. We see this picture also in Lamentations 3, 22 through 25. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who sinks him. In this passage, we begin to see these same truths unpacked, how we find our spiritual thirst satisfied, how we begin to say yes to God, because his love for us never ceases. I don't care how lost you feel, how far you feel like you've strayed or wandered from God over the last few weeks, months, or years. His steadfast love has never ceased for you. His mercies for you, regardless of where you find yourself this morning, never come to an end. You cannot reach the end of God's mercy for you, and they're new every single morning. Isn't that good news, church? Every morning, God's mercies are new for us. Great is his faithfulness to us, and if we can say this in our soul, the Lord is my portion. What I need, the portion of I need to find my soul satisfied, God, is you. The Lord, you are my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. If you can find new ways to hope in God again, and I don't know where you're at, the circumstances in life God finds you, but there's hope for you in these ways. Over 47 years of ministry, Life Action has found people in incredible areas of despair coming into a conference. Every time when people have been willing to say yes to his word, yes to his truth, they've found new hope in him. He's amazing the ways he can provide new mercies and new hope for us. And here's the last part I want to just unpack for a minute. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. If you're willing to wait for God, to go deep to that well as you wait for him, he's going to be good to you. The soul who seeks him. If you're willing this week to say, I will wait on you, God. I will let you, uh, I will seek you with all of my soul. I will carve out time to meet with you and for you to speak into my heart. And I will say yes to you. He's going to be incredibly good to you. He's going to help satisfy you in new ways. He's going to provide incredible hope for you, new mercies for you. Isn't that some good news this morning? 
All right, so I want to leave you with uh, one last kind of story here and unpack some final truths for how to think about this week, okay? Some of y'all thought your pastoral staff was crazy to have a team in here for four days, okay? Some of you came this morning and said, I'll come today and tonight because that's my normal church commitment, maybe Wednesday night, uh, but I ain't coming every day, okay? Um, good news for you, guess what? Some of you are going to be here all week. You don't believe it yet, but I'm telling you right now, you're going to be here all week. Here's why. You're going to go pick up your kids out of those clubs in a few moments, and they're going to say, we're coming back, right? Okay? Tomorrow evening, they're going to go, we're coming back, right? Okay? Your kids will drag you back here. I'm just telling you that right now. So whether you want to or not, I'm sorry, your kids are going to drag you back. Okay? If your kids are more excited to be here than you are, there's probably a gap somewhere. Okay? Don't let them just drag you here. Come excitingly too. Okay? Your, our team members are team magnets, our kid magnets. Okay? They're going to love being in those clubs and hearing from God and experiencing him in new ways this week. We've got some exciting opportunities for you as well, okay? Greg and I may be adult magnets in some ways. Maggie and Patty may see them adult magnets in some ways, all right? There's amazing opportunities coming. So here's a final testimony. We got to do an amazing conference last fall. Um, I'm, I'm, again, farming background, so I love uh, the county fair, all right? We got to do church on a county fair last year, okay? Pretty amazing opportunity. Five local churches in a small town called Atlantic, Iowa, got together, okay? Different denominations, a little bit of different uh, ministry philosophies and practices, probably some minor theological differences, but they said these five churches, we're going to gather together for this week, this Thirst Conference, just like we're doing here. Seek God together as a community together. We got to do that on a fairgrounds. Okay, some of our kids' clubs are actually meeting in a barn used for animals, all right? So um, we're not having that kind of environment here. They get to be in a nice kids' area and wing here. But in that process, we watched God do so many amazing things. One of my favorite ones is a testimony from a guy named Lee who shared his story with us at the end of that conference. I stepped down from full-time ministry two years ago. In order to pursue marketplace ministry, it has been difficult and I've been in a very dry place. This week has been refreshing. I did not hear anything new. However, the great reminders stirred my spirit and for that I am grateful. Sometimes opportunity is simply the greatest ministry. An opportunity to stop and listen. An opportunity to pray. An opportunity to worship with others. An opportunity to fellowship. An opportunity to challenge, encourage, and exhort. An opportunity to recommit and recharge. I'm so thankful for opportunities. See, here's a guy that in the midst of ministry life had actually found himself thirsty, okay? Pastoral work, ministry work, I'm telling you right now, is a place and an opportunity to become thirsty. Some of you have served faithfully in this church for years. Sunday after Sunday, maybe it's a staff member, maybe it's just a lay person in the church, a Sunday school teacher, a choir member, I don't know who you are, but you're thirsty actually for ministry, Likely, you've got an opportunity this week to meet with God in some new ways. Amazing to watch how this works. And I want to hear you, pardon one more thing in this. He says this, I did not hear anything new. Okay? You've got a really smart uh, senior pastor here. Okay? PhD, uh, doctorate degree. Okay? Uh, Greg and I do not have PhDs, all right? So we're not probably as um, intelligent as Pastor Rick. So in that process, and I think he's been pointing you to God's word faithfully. Your staff have been doing that. This week, you may not hear a single lick of new truth. Some of you are going, well, why would I come? Because an old truth is just as powerful as a new truth. When you're willing to let that soak and ruminate and spur and move in your heart, an old truth is just as powerful as a new truth when you say yes to God, to an old truth. Sometimes what I need, you're going to find me sitting in here, sitting up with a loose, listening into these messages because these old truths that I've now heard dozens of times, I need constant reminders of these things. 
constantly evaluating my walk with God. These old truths, some of them is going to be old to you, nothing new that you'll learn, are things that you need to spur you on to deeper ways to find your soul satisfied this week. So here's some thirst opportunities for you. In relation to Lee's testimony, some thirst opportunities for you. Here's the cool thing as well, okay? I do a lot of research coming to a conference like that. I had some prep calls with your church staff. I checked out your church website, walked around the building here. You've got an amazing mission statement here, okay? In relation to these thirst opportunities, I'm going to connect them here to your mission statement, whether you know what it is or not, okay? I'm going to unpack it for you here for a moment. First thirst opportunity to worship. Gathering together, okay? Quoting this from your website, we gather together to worship God and we spend time with God by hearing his word and studying it with his people. This week, you have an amazing opportunity to worship God because you get to be led, regardless of where you normally serve, you get to be fed this week, okay? If you're on the choir team, praise team, worship team, you've got an opportunity this week to be led and worshiped by others. Sometimes that's hard for you. Some of you are gonna be antsy a little bit this morning. I'm telling you, by Monday night, you're gonna be like, excited to just be able to come and sit. Okay, tech teams in the room, I know. You guys are having a hard time letting those guys in the back handle all your equipment and be able to work through this thing, all right? But I'm telling you, you've got a unique opportunity this week to worship, to gather together. Gather together as a body of Christ. You all normally aren't all meeting in a room together. These next four days, an opportunity to gather with parts of Cornerstone that you don't normally get to gather with. Members of this body that come to a different service as you, to gather in a room together for four days together, an amazing opportunity to worship and to gather together this week. Second one is this, is to pause. How many of you are busy in here? Okay, some of you are so busy you can't even raise your hand right now, right? You've been tracking with me this whole time because you're so busy. Your mind is running a million miles an hour. You've got a strategic opportunity to grow this week. Your staff is here to help you, encourage you to grow in your relationship with God and with each other. Again, from your website here, we grow becoming spiritually mature. This unique opportunity, your staff has said that we need to spend some time pausing, giving up our normal schedule of routines of our evenings, giving up our normal Sunday morning and Sunday evening routines to pause and seek God together. An amazing opportunity that your church has afforded you to pause and seek God this week to grow. Okay? I'm encouraging you, carve out those times to be a part of every evening service this week. But also, carve out some time to pause in your regular everyday life in your mornings, in your afternoons, before you come into services in the evenings, maybe when you go home, take some extra time, carve out that time to pause, asking God what he wants to speak to you this week to help you grow in spiritual maturity. A great opportunity to do that this week. Third one is to exhort, okay? Spiritually maturity, again, I'm reading this from your website, leads us to love as believers, seek to help one another grow in God's love. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Spiritual maturity leads us to give, loving those who are far from God through fellowship and ministry, okay? In this way, you've got an opportunity this week to not only um, grow yourself, but to give to others. I'm gonna give you a little secret here. Your church family needs you. Cornerstone needs you to be here this week. Maybe some of you are on a spiritual high like you've never been. Maybe you're closer to the Lord than you've ever been. Maybe you're not finding yourself thirsty because you're finding true satisfaction in Jesus. Okay, I shouldn't have to encourage you to come be a part of that. You should want to be here if that's how you're feeling. But even if you're going, there's nothing this week that I need from this time, your church family needs you here. And I'm telling you, you won't want to miss how God is moving and working in this church family. We're going to give you lots of opportunities to come alongside one another, to encourage, to exhort one another, to give and to grow in fellowship and ministry together. Unique opportunity this week to grow in these ways and to give and exhort 
one another. Fourth and final one, again, from your website, an opportunity to recommit, to go. Ministry takes place when we give to meet other people's needs, which shows them God's love. We go sharing the hope of Jesus through ministry and evangelism. As ministry meets people's needs, it opens the door for sharing the good news of the gospel. Our hope and prayer at the end of this week is not that we have a great conference. It's not that we have a great turnout every night. It's not that people leave encouraged and feeling new hope in Jesus. It's not only just that. It's you actually begin to begin going in increasing ways. This world, this community, okay? I haven't been in Greensboro very long, but I can tell you right now from living in an RV park, this community needs the gospel. This community needs a revived church here at Cornerstone on mission for him, engaging this community and the world with the gospel. This week is a unique opportunity to evaluate your life, to recommit areas of your life and your ministry, the areas and priorities of your family, to recommit and being able to go and be ascending church in these ways. Spiritual maturity, again, from your website here. Spiritual maturity is evident when believers gather, grow, give, and go because these four activities show they are fully participating in the gospel. Challenge this week is will you do that? Will you embrace the calling of the gospel in your life? To gather, to grow, to give, and to go as we seek God through the Thirst Conference this week. Will you do that? Here's the third and fourth, fifth and final one, okay? I don't have a one from your website for this, but this is my personal one, all right? The one I love getting to talk about the most. You have an opportunity for adventure. Okay, I travel around. I usually live in church parking lots or RV parks. I travel in a semi-truck. I stop at truck stops with four kids and a dog, okay? I got a lot of opportunity for adventure in this thing uh, called traveling life. The greatest adventure happens, what we see happen in the life of a church. When we were uh, gathering, uh, this idea of adventure kind of came to us early on in this process of deciding a travel a year and a half ago with Life Action. Uh, Maggie loves to decorate our house, so to have a new house on wheels that she got to decorate was kind of a little bit exciting for her. Um, one of the first things God gave us in this journey uh, to be able to decorate our trailer was this, this floor mat sits right outside our front door. Adventure awaits. Pretty cool saying that we thought at the time, but we had no idea no idea the adventure that waited us, okay? Sometimes that adventure is sitting on the side of a road waiting four hours for roadside repair to come, okay? Sometimes it's setting up my trailer in a downpouring rain on a Friday in a KOA campground in Greensboro, okay? It happened. It was for real. Okay, I got muddy boots still to prove it. I got to wash those off, by the way, Mags. I'm sorry. I'll take care of that later. But the greatest adventure comes when I see happen in the lives of people, the lives of a church, some of you, again, have no idea what your church family signed up for, okay? No idea. But it's adventure, I'm telling you right now. Here's some pictures. We were in Chillicothe, Ohio, a few weeks ago doing a conference just like that. There are a few pictures here on the screen. This is what you have to look forward to, the adventure that's awaiting you. Opportunity to pray for one another. Gather around those that are hurting, that are weary, those that have ministered to you. Opportunity for you as couples to come in praying and seeking God together as a family and as a couple. Opportunities for families to come together and just an opportunity for you guys strategically to meet with God. Let him do a work in your life. Let him refresh your thirsty soul and then allow you to begin to live that out with each other. An amazing opportunity awaits you this week if you do that, all right? At the end of this message, I'm gonna leave you here with a life in action challenge, okay? How do you take these truths that we unpacked this morning from Psalm 42, the opportunity that's afforded you this week through this Thirst Conference, how do you put these things, take these things in your life and put them to action? Here's the question I want you to begin praying right now. 
God, I will make time in my schedule to evaluate and replenish my thirsty soul this week. I don't know if that time in your schedule is just coming for the evening services. For some of you, that's a pretty big commitment. Will you make that time in your schedule to not only evaluate, but then to begin to replenish, to allow his spirit to begin to replenish your soul this week? 